Welcome to Asbury Pod with Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. This week, we talked to two longtime members of the Asbury Park Art community, Porkchop and Bradley Hoffer, both of whose works feature prominently on the world-famous Wooden Walls project on the Asbury Park boardwalk, and who just this week saved Asbury's Christmas by creating the remarkable 17-foot-high Christmas tree sculpture named The Giving Tree, now on display in Convention Hall. We encourage you all to go down and check it out. Welcome, Bradley and Porkchop. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official city of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Their interviews always hit the mark. So subscribe to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Be informed, don't be in the dark. Everybody listen to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Everything you need to know. Brought to you by Amy and Joe. If you're local, they're the pod for you. But Bennies are welcome and Shoebies too. From Route 35 to Convention Hall, it's Berry Pod covers it all. As Berry Pod, I love you. I love you. Welcome to our Asbury Pod lis- listeners. It's November 26th, the day after Thanksgiving. Hoping everybody had a um, a wonderful Thanksgiving. Joe, did you have a nice Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was great. Um, oh. Got to see some people. It was um, it was it was lovely. Oh. After the and, last two years of not doing anything, oh. right? And so I want to thank um, Porkchop and Bradley for doing Asbury Pod on very, very short notice. I think it's like less than 24 hours because um, Porkchop and Jen are heading to Miami. And we really wanted to um, have a conversation about all all art in Asbury Park and pay homage to Jen on keeping art alive in Asbury Park. But also to everything you two do, especially the tree which has sparked quite a dialogue, um, which we are hopefully going to discuss as well. So I'm going to ask you both to introduce yourself, Porkchop and Bradley, and then we'll um, we'll we'll rock and roll. Go All right. Porkchop. All right. Um, my name is Michael Valley. I also go by Porkchop. Most people know me by, and um, I live in Asbury Park. Bradley, hit it. Can you do a little intro on yourself? Yes, my name is Bradley Hoffer. I live in Allenwood, New Jersey, in Wall. I used to live in Asbury 18 years ago, and I work and play in Asbury, I guess. (laughs) Wall's in the news a lot lately, Bradley, (laughs) in a not good way. Oh, that's another podcast, Amy. Yeah, that is a totally different <laughs> podcast. Anyway, yeah, I digress yeah. on that one for a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, so I have to, um, and I'll ask you, Mike, because, you know, it's obviously an Asbury Park podcast. So just tell us, uh, you know, our joke on this show, which you 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 may not know, is the uh, how people ended up in Asbury Park is bankruptcy or breakup. I'm breakup. Uh, but we actually have a lot of people for bankruptcy. 
So is that how you landed in Esprit Park <laughs> or did you land here in a healthier way than that? Uh, well, I first lived in Asbury probably 24 years ago. Um, my wife and at the time moved there. Um, we lived over on sixth Avenue and, um, then, um, she was pregnant. So we had to move out of the place that we were in. And then we moved out of Asbury, lived in Belmore for a while. Then I bought a house in brick, but then I did break up and then I did move back to Asbury. So it's a little All bit. Right. Check in the yeah. breakup category. Uh, I can. So I, I, we started this as a joke about the breakup or bankruptcy. And then people just kept being like, breakup, bankruptcy. No, I'm a breakup, breakup too. Bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone's breakup the most. Like, unless you're from here. Right. Tim Donnelly, I think was breakup who we just had on. Anyway, anyway, I digress. Okay, so how you guys landed in Asbury. And um, so should I go right into the tree or should we talk a little bit about a, a, some of your other art? Because well, I hate like to, to tell you this, the, Mike. Oh, I, no, I was just going to say, if, I ha- if, if my son were voting, the robots win, Bradley. Okay, good. He loves your robots. I got one fan. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm a fan also. I think I want to talk about the wooden, maybe Amy to start with the wooden walls project in general. I think, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Hit it, Joe. you know, well, just, you know, for those of uh, people listening who are not from Asbury, you know, the wooden walls project is, you know, uh, you know, public or art um, making use of vacant wall space on the, you know, the, the, the Asbury park boardwalk. And it's really been quite an amazing success and some beautiful pieces. And, you know, our guests today are two prominent, featured prominently in, in not only in the Wooden Walls Project, but in other things um, around us where you can see the robots um, in other places, you know, um, as well as some of Porkchop stuff. So there's sort of a, a tradition or a, a culture of, of murals in Asbury that's developing and the Wooden Walls has really been sort of sort of the um, central sort of jump starting and really giving it some gas and some notoriety or I shouldn't say that um, it's more positive um, uh, publicity. So, you know, maybe uh, Mike and Bradley, if you could talk a little bit about maybe the beginning of the wooden walls project, um, you know, how that started. I know, I know we've talked about this in other places, uh, but I think it's pretty interesting how we ended up with such a vibrant art scene from just sort of some, um, just some locals thinking out of the box, so to speak. Um, well, years ago, um, Bradley had an art gallery on Cookman. Um, Brad, how long ago was that? That was 99 through 2003. And it was Catsbury building, right? Brother? Yes, it was. Um, and it was, uh, it was great. It was a great time. We just, we hung out, we made a bunch of art. We had shows every weekend. It was parties. It was reason to get people down into town. And, uh, you know, there was abandoned buildings all over the place. I mean, I'm not saying this is how wooden walls began, but I would just give my paint and put paintings on the walls and people would I'd try to get them where people couldn't get to them. And then it started to be a thing. Just go hang paintings. No, not graffiti. Just put things out on walls. And that's how my work started getting on buildings in town. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, all of your work is now at DP in the DPW building, hanging like an art gallery. Yeah. Oh, he he was he was he was he's. I know. I was on the phone with Jed this morning before this podcast, and I was like, "Oh my god, I got to get the guys from DPW because you know they're going to be the millionaires in this game at the end of the day from all of your guys' art." I forget his name, but he was our biggest fan. Man, he was he would take everything. So our listeners may not know this, but DPW has this huge space, this huge warehouse space where over the years when they've had to like take art down or, you know, clean up parks for festivals or whatever they've had to do, or quite frankly, if they like the piece, they would um, remove the art oftentimes because they, you know, were told to by a supervisor and they never threw it out. They put it all in this warehouse down off Main Street in the DPW building. So when you walk in this warehouse, it is like um, a collage. Truly, it, it, it's breathtaking. It truly is breathtaking that all these DPW guys love and they, they take care of this art. They don't, you know, it doesn't like sit in a back closet. It hangs all over uh, this little warehouse area. It's, it's fascinating. We should do a tour there sometime. Uh, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically from, from Brad and I hanging stuff up on these abandoned buildings. And then when Madison Marquette came into town, they asked, uh, I actually wanted to do something on the sunset pavilion way back when, and Madison was like, oh, well, um, we can't really let you do that, but you could do something in the casino building. Um, and I was like, well, what part? They were like, oh, that whole wall. Uh, so Brad and I did, that was like one of the first big mural things that was down on the boardwalk that was sanctioned. Um, and that was before Sandy. Brad, you know when that was? It was the summer of eight. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Is that uh, the flapper, oh, Mike? No. That's probably my favorite. My favorite mural of yours is the, the flapper. The birds. You know, the birds. Yeah, it, was, the... it was the birds and the and the flapper, and then um, I guess when Sandy came, uh, Brad's side, the Ocean Grove side, got hit the worst, and blew out most of that wall. I remember the birds. That both of those pieces prominently is the first thing that got my attention. I was like, well, the, you know, I loved both of those pieces. Um, and I would bring everyone who came to Asbury, I would bring them for a walk. So let's go down and take a look at this art. You know, this is just really amazing. Um, you know, 2008, 2009, there was a lot of other things going on. So, but I would make it a point in my walking tour of guests. It's like, we have to go see this thing. And cause they were just so, you know, brilliantly beautiful pieces um, and long-term favorites. And both, both of those are gone, right? Yeah, the, bird, the birds are blown out, and the yeah. birds are gone. Yeah, yeah. The flapper's covered up. I feel like, isn't it? Yeah, they put that that other wall in front of it, uh, but they put a bunch of holes so you can still peek through the holes and see the pieces that are behind it. But for the most part, it's covered up. And it sounds so that, like you you guys have known each other for. It sounds like you two have a long standing friendship. How, how did you two meet? Mm-hmm. I had the I had the gallery. And uh, there was another woman that had a gallery next to us called B and he was showing there and I pulled him into my studio and I honestly started talking to him and be like, we're going to be friends. I promise you forever. And something like that. <laughs> and he was like, who is this guy? I just met him, you know, yeah. and that's how we met. And from there, we've been just kind of working together off and on for 20 years. Hmm. 
Is that your <laughs> recollection, Mike? Yeah, pretty much. It was like, uh, yeah, I was I was showing at the B the B Gallery, and Brad was next door, and he had Asbury Art, and um, I'd be down there, and we'd be you know whatever talking and stuff, and Brad was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, man, we're going to be friends for like ever. And I was like, uh, okay, cool. Like just met you like a week ago, but all right. <laughs> and then, uh, sure enough, it was like, then we started hanging out all the time. And then we started doing, you know, I, I started working with him at the gallery and, and helping him throw the shows and, and whatever. And then we started working together on art and then even through construction and all kinds of projects throughout the years. And can and 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 I'll start with you, Bradley. Can you I, you and I had kind of a brief conversation on the robots and where they came from, and and I think you mentioned your daughter. Can you talk a little bit about um, the inspiration for the robots? Who my son, you know, we have to go up to Third Ave to look at the four robots there, and then we go down towards uh, the North End to look at the um, to the robot there. Check in on everybody. Make sure everybody's doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <quick> census. <laughs> so, uh, the robots I can't ex I can't really explain why, but um, it's just it's something that I started to draw and I really did well at drawing and had a fun time doing it. And what happens is that some of them are I, I know they're self portrait and some kind of start to look like people or represent the how I feel about people. So each one of those robots is somebody. So the purple one to the left is my daughter. The blue one is me, a grouchy me. Uh, the green one is my <laughs> friend Abba and the yellow one's my best friend, Joe. And that's the story of those robots. But I don't know. I draw robots. And then I, <laughs> I, the really good ones I like to paint as big as I can. And it's, I've been lucky, very lucky. And Oh, go ahead, no, go ahead. I was just going to ask Mike. So one theme I see um, with you is I see, which I also love art with women in it, is there's often a woman centrally featured in a lot of your pieces. So just take us through a little bit of the inspiration. At least, you know, I think the flapper, just personally speaking, would be interesting to me because that similar to Joe, I would take people down to look at that and be like, look at this really amazing piece. Yeah, I mean, the flapper thing was kind of like uh, trying to bring in the idea of the building, like the 20s, uh, 1920s, 30s, you know, um, that time period, I figured would be cool because of the architecture that's already in there that you could still see to do something from that time period. So the flapper thing, that's how that kind of happened. And then the octopus part was like, you know, there's the sea right there. So why not trying to join those two together? And as far as painting women, like that's kind of what I've always sort of done. Like um, that's what the female form for me is, is the most interesting thing to, to draw, paint or look at or whatever. And take us through a little of the process. So somebody says, um, here's a wall. Are, are you, are you guys usually given parameters or are you at a stage in your career that you can kind of free flow or take, like, take me through the wooden wall process. Cause you both have pieces there. Does, does Jen say, or, or does that process say here, do, do what you want or here are your parameters? Um, it seems like uh, as far as Jen's concerned, she 
she just wants you to do your thing, you know? Um, so, uh, as long as it's, you know, public friendly, uh, you can pretty much do seems like whatever you, whatever you want, um, whatever you're interested in, you know? So like Brad can do his robots or, you know, whoever can do their, whatever they, they feel <clears throat> is their thing, which is great. Um, but there's other times where, you know, people aren't that, um, you know, they have parameters. So like, Oh, it's gotta be this and it's gotta be that. And it's gotta be part of the scene. It's gotta be, you know, whatever. So those, those jobs aren't maybe as fun as when you get to do whatever you want. I mean, and what do you I, think? Well, interestingly enough, there, I, uh, I only will do something that doesn't, Big art like that, I will only do something that's mine and won't has hardly per, any parameters because it's not worth the energy. And I can't I can't work under parameters because I can't just I can't paint something like pork chop can. I make an imaginary thing, and that's really the only thing I will want to put on buildings to be a snob about it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Bradley, you, you raised something. I, uh, usually when we had um, some other artists from the wooden, uh, not from the wooden malls project, but the other project, George Bates and uh, Cor Courtney Pastorchik earlier on. And I, you know, try to generate conversation. I'll ask like these high minded questions about the role of public art, but I found a great quote from you, uh, Bradley, about, uh, about that, where you said, you know, you're not making public art, you're making art, your art that's in public. Right. And I think that's a great distinction. Uh, you know, because, well, because, well, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I thought that was an interesting way to put it because public art as commissioned pieces, you know, is not, not necessarily yours. No, it's, it's not. It could be, but, you know, not to see, even say for the right price, but it depends, you know, it, it could be, but I would rather, like you said, put my art in public. And when you put your art in public, like, for example, and do you, is there like a, an armor that you have to put up in preparation for public comment? Like, is, no. it, is it me at my council meetings where I'm like, put, put, put on your face? No, no, not at all. It's, it, in. No, it's it's actually the it's the exact opposite. Like, I want to put this out there. I. I don't I do care what you think, but I also don't care what you think, so. It's out there. I just put it out there. You, you want can. the public, con you want it to invoke some, this is what's always <laughs> so interesting to me. Like, do you, and, and here's, I'm going to give one example. One year, the city, I never know what's going to set people off, right? Like, you know, sometimes you absolutely know what's going to set people off, right? Like, um, uh, rent control, that sets off a whole group of people, right? But sometimes I never know what's going to set them off. And one year, I don't even think there was a discussion on this. We called it a holiday tree instead mm. of a Christmas tree. And oh my God, people went bananas, bananas about us calling it a holiday tree and not a Christmas tree. I don't really feel passionate one way or the other. I'm not a huge fan of the holidays anyway, so I don't care what you call it. But I mean, we were inundated with people wanting it called a Christmas tree. So uh, I say all, I'm not even sure why I was making that. I say all of that to say, like, I never know what's going to set people off. So when the tree went up at convention hall and I want to jump to this, I was like, is this going to be the thing that sets people off? Because it's <laughs> not a traditional tree. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean that that whole thing was like, they, if they, if they're not going to get the big the big Christmas tree that that they which they were not getting this year, no matter what, and I think people don't understand that the big Christmas right. tree was not coming, so you could have nothing. Right, and and the thing is, the people don't the people don't know that they just see this this big you know cardboard you know thing from another planet as far as their eyes are concerned and they're like, why are you killing my traditions and, and getting <laughs> oh, all, all in a rage because they don't have their, their big, um, you know, beautiful Christmas tree with the lights and the smell and, and all the things that reminded them of, of whatever Christmas when they were a kid or something. So, um, so no matter what, if you don't have that, whatever you give them is going to be, they're not going to like it. And I, I think the fact that when when the, it went out on social media and there was so many people talking about it, whether good or bad, that's that's success to me. Even if you even if you hate it, um, you're actually giving it the time to say that you hated it. You know what I mean? So it evoked some kind of emotion. And that's kind of what art is supposed to be for, you know. Yeah, Mike, so, so I have a question related to that. So that's what that's what I always wonder, like, is it is, is it? Do you like it better when everybody's commenting? And I'll say, like, I looked at those. Com I don't go on Facebook that much, but I did pop on, and I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised with how much positive comment and feedback you got from it. Um, but is it? Would you rather get invoke some sort of reaction than even if it can be negative, than no reaction as artist? Yeah, if nobody paid any attention to it, it'd be like, man, I I kind of failed on that whole thing. You know what I mean? Um, if people, I mean, of course you want, you want the praises, you know what I mean? It's human nature to be like, Oh, you did a good job. And that's great. Instead of like that thing's an eyesore and, you know, puke and it's hideous and all the other nasty things that people have said about it. But um, I don't know if, if nobody said anything, then that, then I would be upset that I failed at it. I think art that doesn't provoke a response is wallpaper. Right. It's boring. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, that's not, you know, we, we, no one needs that. You can, we all have wallpaper, you know? Yeah. I guess. It, and, and again, coming from my perspective of, of kind of governing in this pandemic, people's responses just remain baffling to me in, in, a, in a lot of ways, just the, the, I was telling somebody people's response during this pandemic to speeding is like, their level of rage at speeding, which is a problem every year in Asbury Park, every year, third, fourth, fifth has tons of speeding, no question about it. But when people talk about it right now, they're like here to me about speeding and we need speed bumps every 10 inches. And, you know, it's it, so so uh, it, it seems like art's no different. Like uh, the response to the tree was, I thought, overwhelmingly positive, but um uh, the ones that were not, it was like, it felt like a level of rage. Or something. Yeah. Oh it's not, Brad and I didn't go out to be like, all right, let's see what we could do to totally piss off people and steal Christmas mm -hmm. from all the, you know, folks that are traditional tree lovers or something, you know, we just well, tried to give them, we just tried to give them something <laughs> cool to look at that they never seen before that resembles, you know, the holidays, you know? Well, nothing will get a grown ass adult more enraged than in, in, you know, infringing on the sanctity of uh, a made up Santa Claus. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. 
true. So take take us through a little bit of the inspiration and then maybe a little bit of the execution of it. Um, you know, I, I don't know what goes it like. Are you do you wake up in the morning and think, how, how could I do this? How can I incorporate the ocean? And then do one of you wake up and be like, OK, we got to run these numbers and figure out how we cut the cardboard and how we do this and how we do that. Well, on on this one, I actually we we're finishing another big job and I was like, I have to line up something client we have in in common. I was like, I don't know if I can help you with this tree thing. He goes, I'll figure it out on my own if I can, if you can. And he said, I'm working on the model. He goes, I think I got to figure it out. I said, I think I got my client to wait until after Thanksgiving. And the model, the model looked amazing. He, he worked three days on it and he submitted it. And then from there, it's his story. And it was, yeah. So, so Brad and I just finished up the freehold mall. Uh, I'm going to and- ask about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, so I'm totally going to ask about that. And I have a tidbit. I was arrested as a teenager and banned from the freehold. mall. Oh, shit. they had a flyer <laughs> of me and my friends. We weren't allowed in. Wow. <laughs> There's, that, there's your fun fact. Is, it, is that band wow. still in place? Like, so if you I, go there now, well, I don't think so. Cause I ended up getting a job there later. At, <laughs> there used to be a place called Roy Rogers, but I was banned there for like three. Well, first of all, it wasn't just me. It was a group of us, but a group of my friends and I were banned there for two or three years. <laughs> I can't say why, because if I ever went to one for a higher office, I can't say why. <laughs> That's hilarious. Fair enough. <laughs> so Brad and I came off that job <clears throat> where we had to pull off a bunch of like, uh, you know, there was, it was, uh, a lot of artistic stuff. There was a lot of figuring out, there was a lot of, um, uh, it was just complicated. So, um, when Madison asked about doing this tree thing, um, I was really hoping that Brad would be able to help because that's, he's, he's kind of, that's, he's skilled at making things happen <clears throat> and being able to pull things together. So, um, when the model got accepted, you know, uh, Brad and I sat down and and he basically sort of f- figured out the engineering part, uh, which is more of his strong suit than mine. And um, then we were able to to just attack it. And it was, you know, whatever. We had to get it done fast. That was the whole that was the whole issue with this this thing, because I only had like a little over a week to get it done. And when you say that, Mike, a little over a week to think it through and then execute it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. I mean, the, we maybe after the model was accepted that we had like maybe like a week and a half. And the model took a few days because I did like, I don't know, five or six different versions of it because um, I was I was trying to get it to look like, Oh, it's part of, you know, it looks like architecture. It looks like the waves. It looks like a musical instruments. It looks like all the things that are Asbury, you know, to a certain degree, not to get crazy corny about it, but um, that was the idea behind it. And in order to get all those things to work, right. It took a little while. And when they accepted it, I was like, Brad, we got to hit this thing hard. So um, it was um, stoked that he was able to not work on his other job. And, um, and we were able to blow it out. And do you, did you, were you building it at convention hall or did you build it elsewhere and bring it there? We built uh, a lot of the pieces offsite and then had to build it in convention hall and in, it comes off in pieces. It's almost like a layered cake. 
so we had to bring this, these pieces of cake out those crazy doors and then sort of uh, assemble it in uh, the Grand Arcade. And when you're assembling it, are people commenting at that point on what you're doing? Like, like Brad, we, we went to see you when you were painting your robots on wooden walls and you had talked about people commenting um, that you were, people were saying, why are you, don't touch this artwork and you're like, I'm the artist. Right. So I can touch my own artwork if I want to. Um, um, was that happening there? Were people leaving you guys alone? No, actually, other than the, the, the final installation, which was on Tuesday, we worked in convention center, we're not exposed to the public. We were building some of the pieces in there behind the black curtain, like, you know, with the Wizard of Oz. And then when we brought it out to put it together, it was early in the morning and nobody really, a couple people talked to us, but I, it was more curiosity and there weren't many people around. So this one, nobody really said much. We didn't have that much interaction, I guess. <laughs> which was good which there, there was, was good there was a couple of people are like oh you guys putting up the tree and we were like uh yeah, kind of but it's probably yeah. not the tree that you want a but, tree <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but for the most part there wasn't that many people there to even uh, you know add their comment how do you guys feel about you know the when you're working with outside art all of your installations become ephemera at some point, right? Because the wooden walls project, they're, they're there today, but the next hurricane could take it away. Uh, and I'm thinking of um, other pieces. Well, you know, we've already, we've already talked about some of your pieces have been collected by DPW, and if they hadn't preserved them, they would be gone. And I'm thinking also, Porkchop, you had one of my favorite pieces in Asbury that was on the side of the Baronet Theater, um, which is totally gone. Well, no, did they move part of it? That... Uh, uh that was that was gone, and I also did that with uh, with Brad. It was like this woman's yeah. face, right? And then Brad did all those sea creatures. Um, yeah, when they knocked down the baronet, that was all. That was all taken away. Yeah. So that you're you in both cases, your art is, you know, unlike a portrait artist whose you know uh, work will hang in a dusty library for for generations. Your you know your outside art is sort of doomed to disappear with weather and zoning laws and what have you um does that bother you or is it like that's great this is what we're doing this is interesting it, um, it for me it, it doesn't bother me for example on the wooden walls project mine was getting worn down it wasn't looking very good and i painted a brand new robot over an old robot and some people were upset they're like where'd it go oh god <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, but I, I wanted it. I'd rather see something fresh and new than, and get rid of something and make it disappear. I mean, but it doesn't disappear because there's product with it on it. There's yeah. merchandise. And so, you know, it will live on in memory, like the baronet <laughs> one. You mean you remember yeah. the baronet one? I think I have one picture of that. I, I almost I almost forgot all about it. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about it. So Joe, you're gonna have to dig up, or somebody listening to this is gonna have to dig us up a picture for it because I don't think I remember it. And that's actually the one that um, Gene and um, Scott at Fun at now Funhouse started to use our images to make to put stuff on, whether it was fabric, curtains. They were doing some little pieces, car stuff. Yeah. 
It was the first time that the merchandise and what we were doing around town was starting to gel together. It was really cool. And it, now it continues with the wooden walls at the fun house. They, they make products and merchandise. It's, it's a nice thing. Now, I just bought um, a, a sweatshirt for me and Jensen from Funhouse with um, was it, it, it's the octopus one. Um, the little boy in the octopus, Joe, and I'm going to say yeah. that guy's name wrong. Arata. Joe Ayarata. Um, But can we talk a little, let's talk a little bit about, well, let me just ask. So is the tree in convention hall, is it done? You guys don't have to work on it anymore? All done. It's all done. Okay. All done. And it stays up, I guess, until like January 1 at least, right? So people should get out. And and what was interesting to me is in all the pictures, I and Jen took pictures and sent them to me, um, it looked like wood. So when I went to go see it and saw that it was, not that I thought she was not telling me the truth, but I was like, what do you mean it's cardboard? It looks, you know, from afar so much like wood that has been... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. No, I thought it was wood too from the photos. I didn't know it was cardboard until you just mentioned it a little while ago. Yeah. Cardboard's an amazing, amazing material to work with. Like you could do so much with it and, it, and you could get it done pretty quick and it could be strong. And I don't know. It's I love cheap. Cardboard. It's cheap. I yeah. mean, it was like $150 in material. It was, uh, you know, and it's, it, it goes, you know, it's recyclable material and that's awesome too. Cause it goes, it goes with the whole, the whole thing where like, Oh, we don't, we didn't kill a tree. We actually make stuff that you could recycle and could be something else. And that whole narrative. And I think people, you know, I saw a couple of comments about that. I think, I think sometimes like you just have to like recalibrate people to, you know, sometimes difference good, right? Sometimes something different is good. And, you know, it's okay. It's okay to have something different and, um, and explore that for a year. And then, you know, maybe you go back to the traditional tree. I don't know. I don't know how to, um, when I was there, I took a picture when I was there and somebody made like two or three people made a comment about how much they liked it. And somebody made a comment, um, about how they wanted the traditional tree. And I debated on engaging. And then I was like, don't. It's never take your picture and get the hell out of here. Um, But I, um, you know, I don't know how to communicate. Like sometimes different is good. And that's, you know, we should just, we should just be open to that after the 18 months we've all lived through. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about Freehold Mall and not my arrest. Let's talk about the exciting things that happened at Freehold Mall. Um, tell us about that project, how it came about. I haven't seen it yet, but, um, I will wear a disguise and go in and check it out. (laughs) Uh, that came apart. I guess they reached out to Mammoth Arts, uh, the Freehold people and the Mammoth Arts reached out to Jen, um, you know, with the whole wooden walls thing and what we did in Asbury and could we do some murals there? And then, um, so the idea was just to do a mural where Lord and Taylor closed and they put up a giant wall in front of it. And I guess because when those anchor stores sort of go out of business or leave all the stores around it start to, you know, like suffer. Yeah. Like the, the, you know, glass etching place and the eyebrow waxing place. They don't get that. They don't get that sort of, um, you know, traffic. So anyway, they, they asked us to come, and I went down and talked to uh, one of the 
woman, uh, this woman, Deborah. And I was like, oh, yeah, we could do a mural here. And then she was like, well, well, let me talk to, you know, my supervisors or whatever. And and they were like, well, you know, what if you went really big with whatever kind of crazy idea you wanted to do? So then Brad and I came up with the crazy idea that we were both sort of comfortable in doing. And uh, we threw everything at it and they were like, yeah, we want to do it. So it was a six week project um, with a whole installation and a selfie station and then <laughs> and uh, some kind of weird dreamscape underwater bird situation. Yeah, it's, and that's a more, it's a little more three dimensional of an installation than just straight mural art, wall art. It's, it was involved. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, Brad got to do one of his one of his birds real big, uh, three dimensional, which was awesome. Out of cardboard, <laughs> hundred fifty dollar bird. <laughs> And it, yeah, it comes off as almost a immer- It's like an immersive project. Is that is that kind of a fair statement about it? Would you call it yeah. immersive? Yeah, because I guess it's it's uh, Brad. How how big do you think that thing is? Oh, it's big. It's like a hundred <laughs> feet, right? Sixty feet wide, and then it goes out twenty. Six, yeah, twenty. 25 more. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's over a hundred feet long and then it comes two wings, 25 feet south, north and south. So you are surrounded by it on three sides and it's, and it's three, it's immersive. Yeah. Yeah. And just, so take me through the um, inspiration for it. Just, like, so in a, it sounded like with the tree, you wanted to think about the ocean, you wanted to think about music, you wanted to think about culture, like what, what, what things are important in Asbury Park and kind of visualize and create something from that. So, so Freehold's a totally different monster, right? A mall is a totally different monster. Oh, um, yeah. how, how do you, um, how do you kind of think through that? Well, that, that, that was interesting because Porkchop got a hold of me and, and said, I know you're not going to do it unless you're doing something of yours. And I was like, yeah, they said they liked the birds. And I started to work some stuff together and the space scene he had found, that was really cool. And the C scene, he worked up a model and some sketches. And this was definitely had some parameters. Like we wanted to do space aliens, what attacking sea creatures. (laughs) And they were like, no way. (laughs) <laughs> and so we toned it down the veto <laughs> yeah veto but they liked the idea of space and then they said something about seeing my birds and liking that and i was like i can work with that and that's how that's how i worked on one specific half of it like i spent like he spent three days on that christmas tree model i spent a week doing my side because i wanted to the model looks exactly like the wall there's a tiny little model that looks scale model boom and i can by spending that time i can make put it up in three dimensions and it's that's it do you guys always do models that's kind of interesting to me no we just started doing that yeah it 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 definitely helps like especially with the freehold thing because we had to figure out how to do so much stuff so we kind of figured it out on a smaller scale and then when we had to implement it in the space it was like all of our, all the figuring was already done. We just had to blow it up. You know what I mean? As far as like scale it up. 
<clears throat> and the whole idea was like, all right, Brad's going to do his bird thing. We can get some kind of outer space thing, but if we put some other things in it, maybe it looks more like you're in a dream, like it's a dreamscape, <clears throat> you know? So we had these, made these big giant gears out of cardboard and the, the, we had sea creatures that were like, you know, you know, whatever, swimming in the sky, like just for it to be sort of a little wacky enough that we were interested and and enough, cool enough for the public to be engaged and the more people to not hate us for doing it. How long did, uh, will that be up? Do you know? No, I said like a year. <clears throat> a year. Yeah. Then do you like, do you guys have like favorite things to paint, least favorite things to paint, favorite jobs to get, least favorite jobs to get? Brad, what do you think? Uh, Sorry. I didn't didn't know who was going to answer. I guess I I like to obviously paint robots, Um, but uh, I do like also a lot of uh, birds, animals, but my favorite jobs are jobs that I can do what I honestly can do. Make something that's all mine. And that's not, that's a luxury right now. And it's nice to have, but sometimes I got to go, I, I mean, I'm going to go gut a bathroom and crawl around on my knees and I'm being pain for a month, <laughs> but that's what I got to do right now. So those are my least favorite jobs, but there you go. Two scales. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I it seems like every job to me is, is like, I got to figure out a puzzle or something. Like I got to figure out all the, all the parts and, and you know what the people will like and what I'm interested in doing. So I'm engaged enough that I don't want to do it, you know? So each one is, seems like, um, it's like doing a puzzle. And have you, have you guys noticed since you've both spent so much time in Asbury, how would you say art has changed in Asbury over the years? Or would you say it's changed? I mean, you had a gallery, Bradley, back, you know, back at the time when really nobody, very few people were here. Now, now we can't keep people out of here. Yeah, no shit. Um, (laughs) So you wish you were selling that building today. No, I don't actually. I get asked that often, but it's all relative. Like when I when I sold that building, I bought a house and now it's it's all relative. I'm still in Asbury, whether it's worth this or worth that. it's, It's a monetary thing. It doesn't doesn't create it doesn't create happiness or make more art. So that's a strange roundabout way. That no, I don't wish I still had it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, so t- so tell me how. Well, so so, oh, so okay, yeah, all right, right, people, right. It's, yeah, people say yeah. all the time, like we all should have bought twenty. You know, I, I bought a yeah. little tiny condo in the Santander twenty years ago. I should have bought ten. Yeah, I mean, um, my, but I didn't. I bought a little tiny condo. Like my opinion on art in Asbury is, if there's art in Asbury, that's that's it. That's great. That's the positive. Uh, has it changed? Yeah. Um, my opinions of that don't really matter. Um, but it's good. The problem is I don't know if how many people actually know it's even there. I think a lot of people just, ha- it's just fodder, which is interesting. Hmm. When you say fodder, what do you mean by that? Like they, they drive right past it. I know people drive right past four robots and never even look to their right. And would you say that's different than, say, 20 years ago? No, no, that's just the, it's just the, 
I, th- I don't as an art consumer, I think there's a difference. I mean, I think you see mur- mur- public mural artistry and big installations sort of not just in Asbury, but like, you know, it's all over Philly now. It's, it's becoming you know, part City. of Atlantic City. I, I haven't been there in years, but you know, anywhere there's a wall and people living together, you now see art uh, taking up that space in a way I think is broadly um, positive and they're nice. And yeah, and sometimes you walk right by it and, you know, um, but it's still there and sort of changing the structure of the outdoor space. You know, it's not just an empty brick wall. You have these like beautiful uh, designs or crazy designs, or maybe you hate it, maybe you love it, um, um, and maybe you ignore it, right? But I think that certainly as a consumer, I think it's different than it was 20 years ago. I think it was one from outlier to sort of something that's really interesting and, and vibrant, I think. Um, yeah, it almost went to... Uh... It went the way of like, instead of, instead of going out and painting on something and maybe getting caught and arrested, it was like, people are now paying you to, to take the time and do something bigger and cooler and, and appreciate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's, what's kind of changed in the last 20, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, now that, it's not just like the local people that are doing it. It's like Jen gets people from, you know, Japan and Brazil and London and you know what I mean? So it becomes a little more, you know, international, which is pretty awesome. Right. Like the, the municipal building, they were from France. Yeah. Yeah. The, the mural that's on the municipal building. Which I love that and, one. And, and, and Amy, you got a lot of heat for that. Oh, my God. oh really? The amount of heat I got for that. People still come to the microphone and complain about it. It's a municipal building. It shouldn't have art. And when, when you know, I, I at the time I tried to engage, like, why would you want bricks to look at when you're walking into municipal hall as opposed to, you know, a mural? You know, I tried to engage initially. What I will say is a number of police officers, because that's the way you go into the police department, had stopped me and said, you know, it makes me feel good to walk by that before I walk into the, you know, before I get to work. And so that was like, um, that was nice. But no, 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 ton of heat, ton of heat for that one. Ton of heat. You know, it is what it is. I don't mind taking um, heat for those kinds of things. I can usually... um, it's fine. I, I I would always rather look at art and take heat than not look at art and not take heat. But the one thing I was going to say to Mike, your point is that thread is kind of throughout everything. Like everything 20 years ago was a go in Asbury, having, uh, you know, a soccer game in the middle of the street to oh art God. on building, you know, abandoned buildings <laughs> to, you know, it, it was a whole, it was a different world. So, so there, I have so many examples of like, you, you didn't have to apply for any permits 20 years ago. You just built it because who cares? Yeah. Um, people were just happy you were building it. Um, so it, interesting. Oh, the, the, just, it, it's an interesting thread seeing it over the last 20 years um, kind of become something that people pay for. And, and, um, and now you have a long permitting process. To, to yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, I have to ask two quick questions because we're getting on the 1050, Joe. So I don't want to cut you off, but I have to ask um, about either one of your favorite artists and advice you would give budding artists. Do you guys have artists that you kind of follow around and you think, oh, that person does really interesting stuff? One of my favorite artists is, um, is this guy called David Show. 
and he is he's an amazing artist um but he made a lot of his money he did um he did a he did some work for facebook in the very beginning and got some kind of stock option and because of that he made millions of dollars but he also is a gambler and he made more of his money gambling than than through that but he also is an amazing artist and now he's got so much money that he doesn't nearly need to do anything and he still makes art and he ha- and he's the wackiest most creative person uh that i think i've ever come across yeah i like this story with the with disney with the mandalorian he goes this doesn't, <laughs> this doesn't look real he goes you need graffiti and he wound up painting what the whole set and they're yeah. like and then he has a part in it and it's, he's <laughs> everywhere. The guy is everywhere. He's awesome. Yeah. And do you have a, a, an artist that you're into? I, I honestly, when anybody puts me on the spot like that, uh, I go totally blank. So I will say one of my big inspirations are some of the older guys like David Byrne, musician, artist. Um, I like, I kind of like a lot of everything. Um, Old school painters, I like Modigliani, people that started to take um, portraiture more into a cart, what, what I would describe as cartoony way. Um, but yeah, sorry, I'm drawing a blank on artists that I like. I like, think that's, I, an, that's a hard I, question. I can't remember what my, my senior thesis, BFA thesis <laughs> was about that I bullshitted through. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I think, you know, in, um, when we interview artists, the one thing that comes back, you just have to keep producing art. Yes. You know, it, like even if you're not working for money, you have to be working on your craft. If there's a lot of hard, intense work that goes into it, you just can't wing it. And that's, that's somewhat invisible to the consumer of art. Like how much practice goes into your art before it shows up on a wall. I mean, you just don't show up and like, I'm just going to scribble this. There's not a thoughtless process here or an unpracticed process, you know? And, um, and I'm thinking like your poor job. I read, read that you started out painting the back of jean jackets. You know, <laughs> when I was, when you I was know. in high school, I was that, I was that guy. I did. I but that's, yeah. You know, I grew up in Old Bridge, New Jersey, which is like the heavy metal capital of New Jersey in the eighties. Mm-hmm. If you could paint an iron maiden record cover on the back of someone's jacket, that was gold. I mean, that is, uh, you know, uh, you would be the most famous person, richest person ever. So that, that's still art. I coveted that. I still think about it. It's like, man, I wish I had one of those. Yeah. And, and here it no comes. way. <laughs> I, I, I had no idea. So, you know, uh, if you're listening, uh, Mike is holding Mike, up. Put it back up, Mike, for one more second. So <laughs> holding up an Iron Maiden cover, a uh, picture of uh, Eddie uh, on, on the back of a jean that's jacket. Awesome. You know, yeah. that was, you know, so that's art. Right. There's no high art or low art. Art is everywhere. And, and it's 20, 30 years of practice to get from the back of a jean jacket to a wall on the boardwalk. You know, that's one thing that like when people, um, you know, when I'm doing certain jobs for people, um, they're like, well, you know, it only took you so much time to do this. And, you know, what, how, why are you charging me what you're charging me? It's like, well, you're not really paying for my time. You're paying for the, the skills that it took for me to paint this thing so fast and so big and, and the, the quality that it is, you know, that's what you're not paying for necessarily time. And is that the worst part being an artist having to negotiate the fee? It feels like that would be a pain in the ass. So I'll give you a really good story. My very first mural was on route 33 next to the firehouse, right past Memorial. I paid that. I paid the, the building owner to, 
to paint this <laughs> 40 foot. It was a 40 foot mural. I paid him. I basically rented wall space from the guy. I paid him. I said, can I paint on this wall? Like I paid him like $500. <laughs> and I was, br- I was broke. Yeah. <laughs> and, and because you walk, you drove 33 and wanted to just not look at that God awful wall anymore. It, it or was you wanted just to showcase your work. I bought a little bit of both. Um, yeah, a little bit of both. I, I remember to... on Cookman during a public art meeting, that blank wall pork chop that you ended up painting um, like a cat, I think, or something on it was oh, driving yeah. Jen crazy that she had this wall that was, um, she just did not, she could not sit there and stare at this blank wall anymore. And then one day we saw that it had been painted because I assumed you volunteered your time to paint that wall and not ever stare at the blank wall. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I got a couple bucks for it, but um, Jen was like, oh, this is driving me crazy. And, you know, whatever the owners, you know, we went back and forth and they really don't, you know, and I was like, I'll just do it. I could do it right now. I could do it in a day. I even had my, had my son help me, I think. And we did it in, you know, whatever, a handful of hours. But yeah, I was, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I got a, that wasn't a windfall. <laughs> you know? It was more of like, let's just paint something cool on it so you don't have to look at it. It wasn't a million dollar cat. (laughs) 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 Um, Okay. We're going to, we're going to wrap up. You have to, you each have to give a budding artist a little bit of advice. Mm, Stay in school (laughs) 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 and find a real job. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, my advice is don't stop doing it. You can pause. It might be months. It might be just don't stop making stuff. That's would be my advice to young budding artists. And that's because once you get out of the habit, you don't get back into it. It's, it's, it's not impossible, but I've seen a lot of people just never really talented people. Just, it just, just, they stopped and that was it. That's really the only way you progress either. You know what I mean? You just got to keep doing it. And if you're in show, gamble a lot. Yeah. 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 Well, I was going to ask, does this guy play poker? Could you hook me up? Because I'm, I lose poker every time I I'm like, I'm the Mark that's (laughs) the table and they're like, she's going to blow 200 bucks tonight. Um, Okay, so th- any last points? So everybody, come check out the tree in Convention Hall, and uh, it's amazing, truly. I, I, I wouldn't say that if I didn't feel like it was amazing, and I, I made a special effort to go see it. I am a, an easy audience because um, art literally puts me in a, a better mood. I start my day out better if I've looked at something pretty. I don't know anything about art, and I'm not artistic, but I do like looking at it. So. Um, uh, thank you guys. Everybody should go out and see it. It'll be up for certainly another month or so and uh, get out to Freehold, which I may. I have court in Freehold occasionally, so I might stop by the mall and check out your pieces there. Nice. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys for doing this so short notice. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate you. Really appreciate you doing it such short notice. Thank you. Yeah, no Thanks, all. Really appreciate it.